Go Loud presents the Talking Bollocks podcast. Here we are, episode 57 of the Talking Bollocks podcast, brought to you by Go Loud, all the way from Marconi House here in Dublin too. It's me, C.O.B. It's me, Terry Flower. And today we're joined by... Pat Dibbley. <laughs> Pat, how's things? Things are good, I'm excited to be here. This is uh, this is different to the other media stuff I've been doing in recent times, so yeah, I'm buzzing to meet you. Yeah, yeah, this has been in the works for a little while now. Yeah, we've been chatting and... Uh, yeah, it's gas. Everyone I've told them coming to meet you, they're like, oh, the boys. <laughs> <laughs> Even my dad. So, yeah. yeah. Reputation there. Uh, what's a reputation procedure, isn't it? Yeah. Right, just before we get started, lads, I have a bit of housekeeping to tidy up. There's a few suggestions that people are touching on and we need to address. Um, a real quick one. If this is your first time listening or you only recently uh, jumped on board and started listening to the podcast, we'd recommend going back and listening from the very start because... We've 56 episodes in the catalogue now. This will be 57. Uh, go from episode one up. Uh, you'll see the progression in sound, content, us yeah. as people, I hope. You should uh, see the journey, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You'll guests and stories. Things things make a lot more sense to, if you go back and listen from the start, further down the line, you'll realise why we had some people on and why we said these things and blah, blah, blah. So that was one of them. Uh, another one is Terence's Film Club. Um, is Terence hasn't seen many films... Well, you have seen a few, but he hasn't seen that many. Um, what would you be your recommendations, Pat? Oh, do you know I'm a disaster as well for the films? Yeah, what's the story with it? Matt, they're getting a zinger out of that? Hold on to that, yeah. hold on to that. <laughs> so we wanted to do it where me and Terrence sit down, watch a film and discuss it for the first time, but it's a bit dicey with copyrights and stuff like that. Okay. So leave it where else it's still in the works. Uh, another one is the fantasy football. How are you doing? Not great. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Carl Talotti. Carl, I used to work with Carl. He's a legend. Absolutely. Is he top? He's top, yeah. And he's in the top like 5,000 in the world as well. So he's doing well. And I know he's doing well because he changed his name on Twitter to FPL Carl. That's how you know he's doing well. That man's making moves. So we'll give him a show uh, towards the end of the year. More than likely he's still going to be there. Uh, it's the football best still on. Yeah, it is. I'm still holding on hope. So we made a bet that... Whoever finishes ahead of United or Liverpool, either or, that the other one has to shave their head. So, <laughs> obviously, I'm a United supporter. I'm, it's not looking this. well. But I'm still holding on hope. It, it's, not, dead, right? it's not out of the realm of possibility. I've seen worse things happening in football. Yeah, stranger things, I should say. But So, I'm holding on to that. Uh, and then merch. So, merch is in the works. Um, we were due to have it before Christmas, but there was a COVID outbreak. And that really did... Uh, put a damp knot and everything and we had to put the brakes on that but it's back up and running we're trying to get the wheel horn on that bear with us and we may have a big announcement soon a big one but we'll leave her at that say no more we'll say no more yeah so we'll hold on to that one <laughs> <laughs> right few suggestions boxed off nice and early yeah that's the, the quick housekeeping yeah yeah love that right pa have you ever listened to an episode of this? I've been listening the last couple of weeks. Sure, Willow White's a good mate of mine now the last couple of years. Yeah, Willow, uh, fella. Yeah, yeah. There's more times than fucking Calvin. <laughs> <laughs> Jen Healy, Brian Penny. Yeah, there are a couple of episodes yeah. I've been listening to. And actually, so, yeah. shout out to Willow. He, he was the one who put us in touch with Ardle last week's guest. We had Ardle ah. Hanlon on. So 
Will Apple was in touch with him as well. Yeah, Otto gave us a poxy zinger. <laughs> Think what was about the singer last week. So I'll hit you with the singer, right? Yeah. <sighs> How about water? Would you rather? Go on. You're going to have to buy a wimpy pie, yeah? Would you rather believe in a terrible oh. God? Yeah. Or believe or in a nice... Believe in or a not believe God. in a lovely God, yeah. In a word. lovely God, I meant to In a lovely God. This was Ardell, yeah. Uh, not surprised, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> like, this, yeah, is yeah, this is the way we were. This is the way we were. What is it, you believe in a terrible God? Would you rather no believe... God? Would you rather believe in a horrible God or not believe in a lovely God? Ah, <laughs> oh, he baffled the life <laughs> of us, Pat. My head was <laughs> wrecked now, yeah? I'll go with option B. Yeah, that's yeah. what I did. It's just... Yeah. I just yeah. played with Calvin. You'd I'd rather <laughs> everything. You'd rather everything be good and not know why it's good than everything be bad and know why it's bad. Yeah, yeah. That's why. That's where I talk from. That no. But go on. Right. So twelve percent of people said that they'd rather believe in a horrible god and eighty-eight percent the lovely god one. Yeah. So there just get that one out of the way there nice and early because that's a blatant. Ah. Right. Ha. See when you eat a pack of crips. Yeah, one. And you have your greasy hands. <laughs> Where, oh, I heard this one last week. Yeah. yeah. Where do you wipe it? Pat or idle wipes in any stockings? I think that's a game changer. That's oh. absolute genius. It was so out of mind. I'm not bullshitting you here. I was driving up. I was listening to this podcast from Galway yesterday and I heard him say it and I stopped off for a pack of crisps <laughs> and I threw off the shoes. Stockings? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm on the Probably. socks now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people text us saying, Jesus Christ, what an idea. Genius. Yeah. It is very good. Very good. I'm like that. Oh, actually, I want to give a shout out to Will Awoy. He rang me yesterday and he was talking about, do you remember what we said about the celebrations? If you, if you leave the wrapper in or do you take the wrapper uh, out and put them in the bin? He says he puts them all in his pocket until he goes to the bin. How did I not think about that? Yeah, no, yeah. Will I? <laughs> How did I never think about that? Like, to, in my head it was either you put them back in the box or you leave them aside to make a bigger mess. Put them in your fucking pocket until you're going to the bin. It's not a zinger anymore then, is it? It's after just blowing well, the mind. complaint, the zingers, isn't yeah. it? But that is a great idea. That. The argument doesn't implode it on itself there, and will add us again. I think it's just handy because if you're lying down around the keep on, especially if you wear the big bands, if you're wearing a pair of jeans, the keep on shoving them in, and do you get me? You just put them in the box. And no, no, you can't put them in the box. I don't trust the man who puts them in the box. Calvin fell out on me over it. Yeah, yeah, I'm in that boat too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, right, so the greasy hands, yeah, ninety-one percent white them in their trousers, nine percent white them in their socks. We do that again next year. It's gonna, gonna be the opposite. Yeah. yeah, do you know what I mean? Because I don't think people realise you can use your socks. Yeah, everyone's like, I wipe them in my trousers, but I'm gonna start wiping them yeah. in the stockings. Uh, when you go to a restaurant, do you get a starter and a mains or a mains and dessert? Oh, I heard you mention this one too. Mm. How does the zinger work? You do it last week and you repeat it again the following week. So we, yeah, we do it on last week's episode and then that Sunday we put it on Instagram as a poll and ah, based off the poll results gotcha. then we share it the week after. Mm. I was trying to think of one. I've got some awful ones to feed. Oh, yeah, lovely. Just lovely. them all out. Yeah. We've had some poxy ones. Nah, this is bad. Yeah. Uh, but anyways. Starter in the main, I think. Really? Yeah, yeah. you don't like an old dessert, a little blade and cheesecake at the end. Yeah. I like a bit of cheesecake. After a few yeah, wings yeah. and chips and then a cheesecake and Bob's your uncle. Start, you know I mean? Starter in the dessert. Start. Skip the mains? No. No, you can't be at that now. Can't be at that. That's going to be 50-50 there, is it? All right, we'll, we'll come around to it. Well, here is what you do first. Here's me, peer pressure. <laughs> That's harder than the God question. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to a restaurant now in a while. Uh, I'm going to go main and dessert. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to switch it up. Main and dessert. Yeah, I like me good nails after me bad nails. I'll go with a dessert, yeah? So people that go start a man's, 65% go start a man's, 35% go a man's. Mm. 
What about start the remains in an ice cream on the way home? That's what we used to do growing up. We'll get an ice cream on the way home. It's yeah. cheaper than a five-year-old well, ice definitely cream. worth a few quid back then. Anyways, <laughs> I tell you that much. Stopping up in Supermax. <laughs> oh, yeah, there we go, yeah. What's the story with Supermax in Galway, actually? Because I know you're a, Gal- you're a Galwegian, as yeah. you like to call yourselves. Is there no Supermax up here, no? There is, but it's not it's not as worshipped as there is down there. Like we've, we've yeah, Pat, Pat McDonough, who has Supermax, who's worth I don't know, he's worth tens of millions, hundreds of millions. He'd be up there serving burgers some nights if he's stuck on staff or he'd be on the door. Is he that cheap? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the last one. If you go to a restaurant, mm. if you're getting a dessert. Well, would you rather get a dessert or a cheese board at the end? What would you dessert? Go? I heard yeah. you talk about this. Definitely yeah. dessert. Yeah, eat yeah. cheese boards. No, no. Oh. Have you ever had a cheese board? I was trying to think. I, I have. Yeah, I've had a cheese board. I was surprised how excited you were about the cheese boards. Oh, we had the revelation in our lives. Honestly, hey. can't believe I've it. only had the one. Fuck me, man! It was tops. But it's one of them things you're skeptical of until you actually have one, and you're like, "This is a new way of life." It's mm. the first day of the rest of my life now. And you'll skip something sweet for that. No, I wouldn't in a restaurant now. Don't get me wrong. Now I love cheese boards, but if there's cheesecake on the menu, I'm having a cheesecake. I can't justify getting a cheese board. Man, the people that roasted us over. They do a podcast now. They're eating cheese board. This is what it's all about, <laughs> isn't it? Do you know what I mean? This is what's the point in grinding if you can't enjoy the finer things in life? Valid point. You, you know, people need to up that game. <laughs> But anyways, that's the singles done. Yeah. Right. Oh, that one. You want to let you do it again? <laughs> Grand. Uh, right. Singles this for this week. Right. Oh, money, I think. No one let me go get on. it up for it. I forgot it. <laughs> oh, did we do it? Go on. Right. Uh, would you rather only watch movies for the rest of your life or only watch uh, TV shows? That a good one? Movies. And I don't even watch that many movies, but I'll do movies, yeah. Yeah, I'll go with films as well, yeah. What about good TV shows, bro? Oh, better film Prison Break and all. Yeah, I know, but like, watch the Blade, Lord of the Rings trilogy. That's just as long as any season of Prison Break. That's a valid point, yeah. yeah I don't know. I'd, yeah, I'd go films as well. Yeah, but that's not a decent one, no. Oh, you know, everyone's like, right, get films. Uh, do you watch any films? Or? Really, yeah. really, really, really. You've seen a few, though, and you're starting to come around a lot more. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a good few in the last little while. Yeah, he's been watched. I watched Spider-Man 3 the other night. Yeah. Childish. But you said it was deadly. It was lethal. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it, but I just, you know, after I'm like, why did I enjoy that? It's a bloke webbing around the city, hitting a bloke made of sand and all. I'm yeah. like, what's going on? Because you let your imagination just go. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, you don't have yeah. to read, like, read into it that much. It's the films to me that are supposed to be based on like fact and fic- and non-fiction that wreck me head when they don't come across real. You know, like that when you see someone like getting shot and they and they're still running, then they get shot two more times and they're still running, and you're like. Man. Or the cunts, they have a machine going these five feet away and, and they're shooting and they don't catch a month Yeah, your head to be wrecked. Stuff like that. But what film did you watch recently and you thought was unbelievable? Prisoners. Prisoners is the best film I have ever seen. Ever. Yeah. I got a lot of stick over suggesting Prisoners to him because he rang me one night when he had Netflix open in front of him and he's like, well, I watched this film, that film, that film and he's naming them all out and he named out Prisoners. I was like, watch that, you'd, you'd love it. And people are giving me sticks saying, why are you suggesting that there's better films out that there? That was but... a lot of Citizen, wasn't it? You watch a lot of boys sitting, then I told you to watch yeah, Prisoners yeah, after it. Yeah. So, like, people need to bear with me, you know what I mean? It's, it's baby Easy steps. Easy, man. Baby steps. You're going to the classics, is it? Is that what you're looking for? And like, you like what's your go to? Like, give us Fight three Club. films. You seen Fight Club? No. You gotta watch Fight Club. You seen Fight Club? I've seen it, yeah. Not like it, no. It's all right. <laughs> you wouldn't suggest it, no? Mm. I think, I think you should watch other films. Be, like yeah, in Terence's right. case, I think there's other films out there that you'd love more before you've seen Fight Club. What about comedy? Do you watch Old School? Have you seen that? Yeah. Old School's brilliant. No, I haven't yeah. seen Old, old School. Old School, oh, Terence, you have to watch Old School. Yeah. yeah. You've seen Superbad. You must have seen Superbad. 
Now, super bad brilliant as well, yeah. There's good g- series roles that are good. Yeah, you seen Sepulchre? Sepulchre, yeah. Uh, knocked up. No, it's decent. Yeah, they all good films. All mm. the rom coms. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a sucker for a rom com. I love stand up comedy. I'll watch stand up comedy shows. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. like the full hour and a half. Them I watch. I watch all them. Yeah, loads of them. Right. We're going to get the up because we're going to get hung up on this. I'm four pats on the clock here. Right, uh, for everybody that's listening, bear with me, but for everybody who's watching, what would you call this? Uh, everybody that's listening, you'll know where it is when the two lads say So what would you call that, Terence? A monkey, ha. What would you call that? A beanie. Jesus Christ, pa. <laughs> Grown up, you never called that a beanie. That's something that, that, some, that term beanie came out when shows on from America come on the telly the likes of fucking 90210 and all them bleeding crap shows and fucking Aston Kutcher and all them fellas yeah that thing came out with gentrification the Celtic Tiger brought a bean to Ireland that's what happened so what's it called a monkey cat it's called a monkey hat monkey hat monkey hat why is it called a monkey hat though I heard this when I was in college right and mm-hmm. I only came into me head the other day when I was thinking about was English one of my lecturers told me before it's called a monkey hat because you know the band the monkeys yeah yeah supposedly I don't know, one of them used to wear them hats and it was called the monkey hat. How were they around? On the 60s and 70s. You're looking at me like I was alive in those days. Well, I'm looking at you for some, <laughs> just to back me up, do you know what I mean? They, uh, they have some good tunes, you'd know them. Uh, you know, uh, hey, hey, with the monkeys. That one, people say we monkey around and we're too busy singing to put anybody down. That's the we're only, just trying to that's be the only song. So come and watch the sing and play. Now they sing that song, uh, and then I saw her face. Now I'm a believer. That's them? That's oh, them, yeah. That's young boy. Yeah. You know that joke as well? Uh, my girlfriend said she was going to dump me over my obsession with the monkeys. I didn't believe her, but then I saw her face. Alvin <laughs> <laughs> loves a good dad joke. Oh, was, yeah. Best page on Instagram is dad jokes. Go on and follow her. But anyways, it's called a monkey hat. Yeah, Beanie, I'm not having it. Yeah, this is actually Owen Brennan. So, Air Producer Owen, we're using his hat uh, for this. And I said, What would you call that? And he goes, I don't call it a monkey hat, bro. I don't call it a beanie either. So, what did you call it? Just let people know that you're actually walking class deep at heart on. You're not actually middle class. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> eating a banana. <laughs> eating a banana. It's nine o'clock in the night. Luke. <laughs> well, yeah, so <clears throat> that's the singer's box star. Pa has a feel. Oh, I don't know if this is a zinger. You know when you see the emoji like this? Mm. What, do you, what do you see? It's Have, you done this? Have you done this one? No, no but I, I've seen it online, people saying that it's not praying, it's a high five. Praying or it's a high five, yeah. But I told my friend this earlier, she said, that's fucking awful. And so she said, this one, the two, hands up. We got hallelujah or double high five. Yeah. I'm just trying to ruin how people see emojis. Right. I think the two hands together is praying because if you actually look at it, there's like rays of light behind it. If you look at the emoji and then if you... Do you ever get stuck for an emoji and you search using the word for an emoji? And you yeah. pray. You type in pray, that's what comes up. Does it? Yeah, and if you type in high five, type in high five the hand, no, the hand doing a five comes up. But if you type in high five with two people with good energy, the, the hit up. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. That's, there you go. But that, that hands up emoji, that's a great emoji, I think. Can you, you can use that for everything. For anything in the world. Anything in the world, yeah. Sorry, I'd ask that the hands up emoji. <laughs> you know what I mean? Best of luck today, hands up emoji. Yeah, anything. There you go, yeah, so. That's that. So that's it. What about a zinger for Supermax or McDonald's? Is that a thing? I don't think we have enough people listening from Galway to back you up with that one. I think you're going to be blown out of water. It's every though, isn't it? All the cultures love a Supermax. No, but it's a, it's a real Galway thing. It's it? a real Galway thing with Buckfast and, and Supermax, yeah. Yeah. 
I, I don't know. Um, yeah, that can be a single. Listen, play. we'll slap them out. Like, we'll put it out there, but if you get any backlash, don't play most <laughs> You don't want to put yourself out there. <laughs> Go on. Supermax. Go down to Galway, Air Square for a good night out and a good strain on a Supermax yeah, after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go for a bag of chips then with the filly of fight. I have a, uh, a funny story about that. We were at a festival down there before, with college years ago, and we stopped off at Supermax and Mora kicked off and a few of the lads got into their scrap. <clears throat> we're all died down. We got back on the coach, driving back down the motorway to Dublin. It's about bleeding like two in the morning as well. And the police come up beside us. The guy that pulled in the coach, and I was like, what the fuck is going on here? I've never seen someone getting pulled in in a coach. And because we were at a festival, people were dressed funny, yeah? And this fella gets on dressed as a rabbit, right? And I was like, this is a wind-up. And he had to come on and pick out people who he was fighting with. And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? Am I in a dream? It's just, this isn't real. I'm in the Matrix. So he come on. And he's there after getting battered, head battered, bruised, cuts all over him. And he's staring at me, and I was like, he better not fucking say it's me. And my board's beside me looking like, he better not fucking say it's you either. <laughs> and the boys are down the back of the bus trying to wipe the knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes on, and he, he goes on. Now, it was none of them. Well, it was a couple of the boys. I'll say no names. <laughs> and then uh, that was it. So imagine, like, dressed as a rabbit, causing trouble in the middle of Supermax. You're getting a scrapper, a load of fellas from Dublin. Get your head kicked in. Go out to the police and say... Them fellas in that coach down the road, like we're about 20 minutes down the road as well. The police put you in the back of the car and you go after them and they pull them in to say, no, it was none of them. Like, come on, come off it. But yeah. That's your story about Galway anyways. Yeah, Galway's a good spot. Yeah. Galway's elite. Great spot. I've Galway loads of times. Yeah, yeah I couldn't recommend that enough now. But uh, yeah. Singers boxed off. Everything boxed off. Done and dusted. Right. We have something to address. Let's get into it. So... Every week we put out suggestions and questions and feedback for listeners to uh, engage. Engage, yeah, engage with because we're podcasts of the people, so we listen to what the people are saying. And last week there was an absolute tragedy that happened in this country uh, with the murder of Ashley Murphy. Um, I don't even know how to get into this because it's still so raw and it hasn't even been fully dealt with. To be honest with you, a lot of conversation has been sparked online about about what we need to do as a society going forward, what we can do better. Um, I didn't think we would have the impact that we do with this podcast, but I know a lot of people actually do listen to us and take on what we say on board. Um, to start off, we're going to have to look at it from the side of the females here. Uh, being a woman, we know it's not easy. We know that... And now, this is coming from a fella who I'm in a relationship and I'm raising a daughter. I know, and I, it, it doesn't sit right with me, that they can't go somewhere on their own and there's certain things that women can't do on their own because it's not safe for them to do it. And in 2022, we shouldn't have to have this conversation, but that's the world that we live in. So what can we do to impact that and mitigate against the risks that these people go through? Oh, sorry, these women go through. Somebody said to me earlier, if you want to put yourself in a woman's shoes, now it's very very easy for people to come out and say, not all men are like that, and we get that. But if you want to look at it like this, if a woman wants to go to the toilet in a, in a nightclub and she has to walk past 10 fellas, can you imagine how intimidating it is for that girl to walk past 10 fellas hoping that no one says something, hoping that nobody acts or reaches out or grabs or does something, how intimidating that must be. So take yourself out of a nightclub and put yourself on the street. Imagine what it's like then. So... Put yourself in the woman's shoes before you come out and say, but not all men are like that, because we get that. Another thing is, <clears throat> don't 
don't paint every man with the same brush. I was brought up, and I've seen many of Barney in my house growing up, my man that roaring the head off each other. I've never seen my dad raise a hand to me, man. And on the flip side, I've never seen my man raise a hand to me, dad, either. I was always brought up as you never raise a hand to a woman, and not just in principle, but my dad practiced that as well. So I get that. It's not, that for, it's not the case for everybody. Uh, domestic violence is a real thing. How we mitigate against that is, if you know that somebody is being physical with a woman, call them out on it. Mm. If you know that somebody is being inappropriate with a woman, call them out on it. To me, you don't need to say this to me. I know that. It's second nature to me. We've had this conversation, Terence. It's second nature to most people. Most people don't need, you don't need to say this to them because we know what's wrong. But there's still some people out there that don't get that message. So we can do better as men in society. We can call this out. We can make it a better place and a safer environment for women to live their lives. On the flip side of that, you need to understand as well that men are trying their best to not paint them all in the same brush. So if you see one fella do something wrong, don't assume that every fella is like that. What happened last week? It's, just it's, touching on what you said there, don't. I think women are going to find it hard to just not paint every fella yeah. with the same brush. Because like you said, it's not even just in the nightclub. In broad daylight, when a woman is walking past the group of young flesh, she has to hesitate. Mm. And she has to, a heart skips a beat and goes, I want to going to say something here. I want to going to do something here. So that's why, as a man, putting yourself into a woman's shoes and thinking about it for a minute. It's so hard for a woman to not paint every man with the same brush because there's not a certain type of character that they know is not going to assault them, rape them, anything like that. There's no, there's no, there's no tell for a woman. So when she's walking past a group of men, there's no thing for her to say, he's not going to murder me so I'm safe because you don't know what's going to happen. Mm. And that's what's happening with these tragedies. And that's why... I think it's easier for people to sort of think, well, it's not all men and it's not us. But a woman can't do that. A woman can't walk past somewhere and say, I'm safer because it's such random attacks. And I, I actually sort of like the saying, not all men, but it's always men. Mm. Because if you look at the rate of murders on women and rapes on women or things like that, it's probably 99% men. So it's so hard for a woman to not hesitate and especially when something like this comes about, it's so sensitive, it's so raw. And it's so... Look, I've been thinking about it, and for a woman not to feel safe walking around that city, like around anywhere in the world, because she might get murdered or raped or assaulted, mm. it's absolutely horrible, like, you know what I mean? I'm actually getting a bit emotional now even thinking about it. Like, it's such a hard... It's, it's, it's a hard topic to talk about, you know? And... Uh, yeah, I don't really know what to say about it. Like, it's scary, like, you know. It's, um, for, for, I always try to speak in I statements and kind of own my experience and not say we need to do this. I'll talk about what I need to do. And I recognize I need to have more conversations with the women in my life to understand their experience. Um, and I've had that over the last couple of days because I, I can't imagine how intimidating things that I take for granted could be, you know, uh, I get intimidated sometimes when I see a group of young lads or a group of, you know, people that are intimidating to me, I can only imagine. And I think having these conversations with the women close to us and trying to understand and trying to create that sense of safety um, for them um, 
it's about listening uh, as opposed to, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and for the people that are. So I've seen an awful lot of things online recently since, since it happened and a lot of, a lot of men are online and they're, they're trying to force down people's necks. I'm not that person. You can't, you, can't, you can't paint us all with that brush. But I think for now, mm. like, you need to just understand for a minute. Just sit and listen. And I also, yeah, I, th- I don't know. I think, I think men just need to sit and listen for a minute. Mm. That it's not that easy. Because for the people that are saying, I'm not like that and whatever. I hope that one day they aren't walking up the road and there's a group of young fellas there mm. and they say something to them and they feel the fear where a woman does for it. Because we all put on this hard man act and we all have this ego. Yeah. And we all say, I'm, not, I'm a man, you know. But until you're walking past a group of young fellas and something kicks off and you think, I'm on my own head, this, this is scary, you'll then understand what it feels like for a woman. And come out. we're all guilty of something that's after coming out lately. You heard, there's all these things just coming out about catcalling about doing this and doing that and when you're younger you don't realise these things you don't realise that it's intimidating for a woman to walk past you and your friends and you'll probably say something stupid and everybody is guilty of that mm. but I think that's in the past now where everything that's so sensitive and happening now in the world today that needs to stop and I hope that we have a big enough influence on the younger lads out there now to say don't do that mm. when you're with your mates don't make a comment on a girl that's gone past and don't do these things because Again, like I said, I hope one day you don't have the fear of walking past the group of Yeah. And they say something, look at this, whatever. Mm. And then you'll feel the fear where a woman has to feel every day. Women feel that every single day. You'll only feel that when you're in a certain area and something happens. Mm. And me? the thing is, we're three fellas sitting there having this conversation. So if other fellas can sit down and have this conversation and address it, mm. and a very insight into what's going on, you know what I mean? You'll never be able to fully understand what's going on unless you actually reach out to a woman and get her to explain it. So we're three fellas talking about this problem. Yet not all men, it's the same, but all men can make the difference. You know what I mean? Mm. If we just try and understand what's going on, Mm. you know, reach out to women in your life, see what the story is, and try and ensure them that there is people out there, there is fellas out there, be that example, Mm. you know what I mean? Um, and then that, that will knock on then to other men in your life. And just another one, if, there, if you are in a group of people and you have that chance to make a situation better for a girl walking by, do it. Yeah. And make sure you say it to the lads. Think about it. You could be, you don't want to be that story. I walked past this, this group of fellas down at that, that shop the other day and they said this and they done that. You don't want to be that person. Don't be that person. You know? Mm. Just going back to, like when you said, Growing up in your family home, domestic violence wasn't a thing. What we need to deal with here on this as well, I think, is we know domestic violence is a very common thing in a lot of homes in our areas. That's, that's been... How do I say this? A lot, of you, a lot of my friends and a lot of people that I would have grew up around would have grown up in a, in a home with domestic violence in it. And without realising it, they just become a product of the environment. I'm not saying they're killing their boards or anything like that, but they might not see it as big of a deal. You don't raise your hand to a woman. They don't really understand it because they've seen their dad on the grandma and it was a common thing. But if you ever feel that way and you felt like you wanted to do that or you had an urge to do that because of a fight which I missed or something like that, you need to go get help. You need to go and get counselling. You need to understand right from wrong. Mm -hmm. You need to... Because although... A lot of young lads have grown up and seen domestic violence. It was such a 
big thing for many, many years in this country and all over the world. I don't know when laws were passed to make it illegal. It, it wasn't... Recent enough. It was so recent that laws were passed to make it illegal to hit your wife. Mm. So we're talking about our parents seeing their parents uh, domestic violence in the home. Then that might have passed down to our parents. And I know there's people of my age and younger who are still seeing domestic violence in the homes. Mm. Just because you see it at home, don't think it's right. And you need, you need to get that sorted. As you grow up, you'll realise and you'll know right from wrong. Mm. And if you ever think for a second that that's normal in any way, shape or form, you need to get help immediately. Yeah. Immediately. There's an idea that if we don't transmute our pain, we'll transfer it. In other yeah. words, if we don't go in and deal with our own stuff and we carry this pain, and a lot of men carry pain, a lot of women obviously carry pain, um, but when we don't deal with our own stuff, we pass it on to other people. So as you say, going and getting support on these things. I think the other thing worth just noting is there can be a tendency to see, see things as very black and white. So as you say, when someone says, men are doing this and I get defensive and I start saying, well, I'm not like that. I'm jumping onto the other side of the yeah. coin. There's a lot of gray area in between. As you say, like I've never physically abused a woman, but I've been emotionally neg negligent. I've been an asshole over the years, you know, because again, all I was insecure. We're um, all guilty. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. We've all made mistakes. We've all said things to the other agenda that we shouldn't have said. This mm. goes from women to men. Mm. Men to women, I'm guilty, you're guilty, we're all guilty of doing something over the years. And earlier I said catcalling as an example, I don't mean literally, I was just giving sure. a thing of like saying things to women or something like that. We're all guilty of something, but we can all change. We've all made mistakes. We all, we're growing up in different areas also. Mm. Like years ago, some of these things maybe weren't seen as a big deal. Yeah. Nowadays, it, the world is changing and, and, and maybe for the better, in my opinion. Yeah. Because I don't ever want a woman to feel intimidated. And men make mistakes. We've all made mistakes over the years. You learn and you grow. And if you ever have made any of these mistakes, learn from it. Grow. Make sure to never do it again. Tell your kids that they're not to do it. Learn right from wrong. Yeah. Mm. Emotional maturity, I think, and growing up and properly growing up is about being able to hold different things, not be completely one-sided. So again, I'm able to hold the fact that sometimes I fall out of line and I do stupid things, but also sometimes I'm a really good person. Because if I can't hold both things, I'll tend to jump on one and I think I'm the best in the world or I think I'm the worst in the world. So again, I think maturity is finding this balance, finding this gray area. But just to acknowledge you boys in addressing this and talking about this, um, I think this is huge. Because the same way the likes of Willow White or the older guys are probably like mentors to you, you're uh, having a big influence on a lot of people. And it's easy to skirt around these issues and not talk about them because you'll always get kicked back, whatever you say. And I think for me, at least, there's always fear around talking about these issues. I'm terrified of saying the wrong thing. So just to acknowledge mentorship is really important. One of the things that's missing in the world is older men giving a blessing to a younger man to say you're doing a good job, mm. fair play. And I think you're doing that for the younger generation coming through. So... Thanks for Fair play. Like hopefully, hopefully it is it is ringing true. Um, that thing what you said about domestic violence. I know people who you'd see now they they wouldn't be sure of hitting their partner. Yeah, and and I've seen over the years, and their siblings are the same. Mm. And then, like when you see that happening, and then you look at that dad, sure that dad was the same with their man. Mm. So they know no different. Yeah, you know what I mean. So we need to start breaking that cycle again. We've talked about this a lot. Breaking that generational cycle. Although you say, they know no different. They know what's wrong, but they've seen it and they think, oh, it's happened. I've seen me man going through it. Yeah. They don't realise, although they know it's wrong to do it, they don't realise how wrong it is. Yeah. That you don't do that. And if you ever did, 
change. Sort yourself out. Mm-hmm. You need to you need to fix up there before you start yeah. doing anything else. Yeah. People in fear, whatever your fear is, whatever's going on for you, trauma, when trauma comes up for you, you'll revert to your old patterns. That's how we operate. You know, when we're under a massive amount of stress, when we think the world is a scary place, we default to again what we saw growing up is often the default setting. So again, it just speaks to I think we all need to be doing our work. Uh, whatever our inner work is, making peace with the parts of ourselves. And we'll probably talk about this, I'm sure, throughout the episode. But um, again, if you don't go into the difficult parts of yourself and make peace with them and work on them, you will project that onto other people. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just want to touch on one more thing. So we're talking about preventative measures. Um, I think the guy they have a lot to ask, answer for here. Um, last year, there was 3,000 cancelled calls of domestic violence. Domestic violence is something that shouldn't be a part of society and how it's addressed. So if you go online, I always see things that girls share online to help each other. And it's like, if you're suffering from domestic violence, message me saying I'm still selling clothes or, you know, those little signals that women can give to let them know that they're suffering. So that's how much of a big step it is, how brave they have to be to just get that across. Imagine how brave they'd have to be to actually pick up the phone and ring the guard. And then that call goes nowhere. Mm. You know what I mean? That reassurance they're trying to get from the police service in this country and that the, the call's cancelled, doesn't go anywhere. And then that, what that does then is skews the numbers as well because that crime wasn't reported. Mm. You know, these people aren't on the radar then for assaulting women. So I think that needs to be addressed as well. They, society in general needs to do more. The services need to be better. Just this, this shouldn't be an issue. Um, Again, all men aren't the problem, but all men can be the difference, even if I'm not the problem. Exactly. Oh, right. oh I, did, <laughs> I hope we did, did that justice there. Again, we didn't write it down. We just came in and talked, and that was my biggest fear about coming in here and doing this was, like I said, we could have easily mm-hmm. went around it. Yeah. Some of you touched on there, Pat, as well. Like, we didn't want to have to have this conversation. Yeah. And we you spoke know? about it. We but, said we'd rather not. But we have a responsibility now, and I think... We're acknowledging that responsibility and it's from people reaching out to us and just like saying, I'm doing this because you said that or I'm doing this because you're doing that and you're realising like people are actually listening to this. I know it's called talking bollocks, but people are actually listening. Mm. Now when I said we'd rather not, I don't mean it. I mean, it's so sensitive. Yeah. And if you say the wrong thing, it's easily scrutinised mm. and it's also very emotional. Yeah, and I know there's people getting stick online and it's like the silence is deafening. But people handle stuff differently just because they're not posting online regularly anymore. They might be dealing with the trauma separately, you know. This might have triggered something in them. They don't want to talk about it. Yeah. But I think it's our responsibility here. If we didn't have the show, I wouldn't talk about it like this. I wouldn't be broadcasting it online. And if we didn't, if I didn't realise that we had such a big influence, and not only we have on older people older than us, but definitely on the younger generation who listen, mm. we can sort of send a message out there to change if you are in that cycle, or to never ever do that or get into that cycle, even if you've seen a grown-up. Well, then, even if it helps one, two, three, four people to never, ever do that and thought it was right and go and get help, well, then maybe so. Domino effect. And the last thing I want to mention before we move on, I know we spend a lot of time on this. Um, I've seen a lot of things lately online, people sharing images, supposedly, of the suspect of, of the murder and saying, this is the man, this is the fellow, whatever. Don't do that. Uh, for numerous reasons. One, there was a man arrested the day of the murder and who was later released without charge. So his image is circulating, people think he's guilty then. And another thing is, if they do catch the correct person, if that image is being shared online, it hinders the court case because they're not given the right to a fair trial and the trial can be dismissed then. 
So what would you rather? Would you rather see this fella get justice or would you rather his image be shared everywhere? You know, so think about that before you get sent something or before you see something online and you, you share it in a WhatsApp group or you retweet it or whatever. Just think about the implications that that can have on the legal system going forward. Let justice run its course. And that's all I have to say. Um, yeah. Right. We take a breath. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Someone stick the kettle on. Yeah. Um, right. Pa. <laughs> Maybe we should have opened with that and then went to the Zingers. Fucking hell. I'm yeah, because they were like, Pat, what's your name? Where'd you come from? Do you get me? Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. That was that was hard talk. Yeah, That was tough, yeah. But look. Have you anything else to just talk about before we jump straight into Pat? Because it's... Oh, it's right. A bit more lighthearted. Uh, people want to know, is this podcast full-time or do we walk as well? Yeah, this isn't full-time. We do walk. Um, I won't Just because deep. we're eating cheese boards and all, don't yeah, think. I tell you what, like... it's the slickest studio I've been in. So you're... <laughs> yeah. Shout out the Go Loud. Class. Now, as always, shout out the Go Loud. But uh, no, this isn't full-time. Um, we'd like to make a full-time. Hopefully, you never know what's on the horizon. Uh, if it was full-time, trust me, you'd see a lot more of us than just fucking once a week. Everyone talking and all listening, fuck shit. Yeah, <laughs> make sure it stays bad. Yeah, no, but, uh, Sick of them. we do we do stuff uh, nine to five. Don't we worrying about that? Uh, well, not just nine to five. Sorry, uh, the business day is what I was going to say. <laughs> Monday you know, to Friday. Yeah, Monday to Friday we do stuff behind the scenes. Uh, we won't go into detail. We'll keep our cards close to our chest with that. But yeah. Pat, what do you do? So now, we'll, we'll start off <laughs> the usual, yeah? yeah? What's your name? Where'd you come from? What's your name? Where'd you come from? But when you answer that, yeah. I actually, because I said the part I was showing, Cav, I said, say before the fucking podcast, that was really great, I will. You, if you look Pat Dibley up, or if you know all about Pat Dibley, you know, <laughs> the man is a specialist in everything in the world. So what is the main things that you specialise in? Everything I do centres back to uh, creating safe environments for people. We kind of talked about safety there at the start. So I used to be a fitness guy. I had a gym in Galway. I had a big online fitness business. But the magic in that gym was the community aspect. Uh, the people had a place where they could go and they could be themselves and they could kind of let go of everything else going on. I was 21, 23, 24 when I ran the gym. So I was kind of naive. I thought it was just about fitness. But now 10 years on, looking back, I see there was people coming through addiction. There was like every, every type of thing going on. People going through divorce, people going through serious transitions in their lives and struggles in their life that that was their safe place to go and so that was what I was building then and then I moved out of fitness and I started doing meditation groups and men's groups and um, meditation groups and as you say all sorts of different things but it's all about safe space for people I see that now um, I think in life the secret is to find kind of what I mentioned you find your wound you find where you've struggled you go into your wound you work on your wound and then you share the medicine with the world so what that looked like for me was I always felt like I didn't fit in as a kid because I was bullied quite a bit and I lacked self-belief so my wounds were a lack of self-belief and a lack of community I'm on my own and I don't believe in myself so I tried to work on those two aspects of myself and as I kind of developed those skills if you will I can now offer that to the world. So the thing that was my greatest pain becomes my greatest gift to the world. And I think that can be the case for a lot of us. You might see someone who loses uh, someone to a horrible condition in their life, loses a partner maybe, and then sets up a charity off the back of it to support others. So I call myself a wounded healer, uh, meaning I'm not going to try and talk about anything I haven't experienced. I won't talk about parenting because I'm not a parent. I won't talk about how to be rich because I'm not rich. You know, I won't talk about any of these things, but I will talk about loneliness. I'll talk about disconnection. I'll talk about, you know, I'll talk about all these other things that I've gone through. Um, so in terms of what I do, I do seminars, I write books, I do podcasts, but it's all about belief and belonging. Those are kind of my two words. <laughs> right, so that's what we're going to get into in a minute. <laughs> so, what's your name? 
Where did you come from and what was life like growing up? Uh, what's my name? Where do I come from? What was life like growing up? Uh, Pat Divoli. I'm from Limerick originally. Jesus, sorry to hear. I know, look. I'm only messing. I love people from Limerick. Don't start. I mean, someone started me from Limerick before I was it's messing. A, it's, all right. <laughs> it's, 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 it's all right, but no Supermax. Um, <laughs> I just actually copped on. We've had three people not from Dublin on in a row. Willis Dublin. Was Willis? Oh, no, Willis wasn't last. We had Ardle. Kevin. Belfast. It's from Belfast. We had Ardle, who's from Monaghan. And we have Pat, who's from... What Limerick, we yeah. Originally. See, originally we Limerick, yeah. When we said that. We set this up to like change the perception of the inner city. And then we started growing and growing. We were like, what, really? what the fuck? <laughs> we can't just keep talking about the inner city now. And then we're just at the fucking off. And yeah. We just have all the well, I think we've on. changed the perception. <laughs> we've changed the perception of inner city that two young brothers can actually have these conversations with yeah. people from outside of Dublin. It's class. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's that class. was the main aim. And now we're sitting here with people all over the country and all. It's about like, all yeah. the cultures. You have to change the name of the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't come in there for a bag of things. I grew up in Limerick. So, uh, yeah, we moved around a lot when I was younger because my dad was just getting started with work and he was, you know, trying to make a few quid or whatever. So I think we lived in four or five houses down in Limerick. Then we moved to Galway, three houses in Galway. So there's a lot of moving around. So it was always the new guy, I suppose. Yeah. So that was a, I struggled with confidence on that front. I didn't like team sports, which kind of, I, I struggled with, I just struggled with, uh, with confidence, with self-belief, with feeling like I connected. Why, why did you struggle with team sports? Uh, I was bullied a lot as a kid. So I was bullied from the time I started school, just for being the youngest in the class. And you know, silly things looking yeah. back, but at the time it was just a lot, you know, to feel like you're on your own. And then when it came to team sports, I think it was similar. Um, it's funny, I think your earliest experiences sort of shape how you see the world. So I saw that when people are taking the mick out of you, you know, you're in trouble and you're being exiled. As you get older, you start to see, oh, maybe sometimes it was just banter and that's just how other people communicated and they came from a different environment and a different way of seeing the world. So I think I, I came into the world fairly early with this belief that I don't fit in, I'm not good enough, I'm not, you know, all these stories about myself. And you'll always back up your story. Yeah. You know, if I think I'm someone who never stays consistent, I'll never stay consistent. If I think I'm someone who's always going to be an addict, I'll always be an addict. Always. Yeah. Somebody told me that before. Um, they said about that child, that daughter was very shy, but they'd never say she's very shy because the, the child will confine to that then and they'll never communicate with anybody. So what she changed was when she introduced her child to somebody, she wouldn't say she's child. She just choose. Oh, sorry. She wouldn't say she's shy. She just chooses who she speaks to. Nice. So that then puts the ball in the child's court. To, yeah. to say wants to speak on that. Yeah. And I do that with my daughter. Like yeah. sometimes she gets very shy, and she says that herself. Like, oh, I'm shy. But I just say, oh, she forgets how to talk, and she's like, no, I don't. Yeah. And then she won't stop talking. Then you know. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that that kind of backs out of what you were saying. And a similar one, you'll often hear people say, "I'm not good at yeah. music. I'm not good at sport." And I try to get them to reframe it and say, "I haven't practiced music. I haven't practiced sport." Because someone who says they're not good at playing the piano, I say, "How, how much piano have you played?" Oh, well, I never played because I'm not good at it. I'm like, well, how do you think you get good at it? So I haven't practiced much. But yeah, I grew up in Limerick, came to Galway, struggled with team sports um, and and just kind of fitting in and everything else. And then in my teens, I found martial arts, and that was kind of my confidence. That's where that came from. Um, martial arts, lifting weights. I was obsessed with professional wrestling as a kid. I'm like, I'd be a wrestler. And uh, the John Cena fella, yeah. <laughs> the Seamus fella, yeah. Seamus. Yeah, yeah. You'd get him on the podcast. I say, um, okay, but 
But honest to God, I, 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 I don't know what age it was. I mess- messaged a, a gym in, this, in England. I said, I want to come to wrestling school. What, what should I do? I'm young. And they said, learn judo because you'll learn how to fall without hurting yourself and start yeah. lifting weights so you get strong. So I'm back in school the next day and I seen on the notice board there's judo classes and started judo. And within a couple of weeks, I'd won in All-Ireland because there were so few lads doing it, you know. And uh, that brought me into jiu-jitsu and kickboxing. And I went to the States then at 18 doing MMA, wanting to be a cage fighter. And that was kind of the start of what brought me to fitness. So that was that was the younger years. So hang on, I never noticed. <laughs> you this one quite. That's what. That's where I was getting at beforehand. So when I because Pat, like, of course we know you and know about you, but there's just little weird things that I don't see. Like the, like obviously because we knew we were getting you on, and I know what you do and why we want you on, and how this is gonna be a good podcast. But then like. If you look up something about you, something weird comes up and you're like, what the fuck? Like, you know <laughs> What's what I mean? this fella? Yeah, so you do a bit of everything. Well, you pursued an MMA career. Yeah, I was no good in retrospect. I just had these notions. We were talking about you going to Berkeley. Was it Berkeley you went yeah. to go years ago? So everyone was going on the J1 at like 18, 19. I hated the course I was doing. I was studying geography and economics. No interest in college. You're doing an arts degree, but just didn't know what I wanted to do, you know? So the one thing that kept me going was every summer I go to the States, I train full-time in a gym. All the rest of the Irish were down in Pacific Beach in California. Yeah. And I was over in this gym uh, in the ghetto in San Diego. And yeah, I train with Dominic Cruz, who's like a big Dude, UFC no guy way. now. Big fan of Dominic yeah. Cruz, yeah. Yeah, and uh, War Machine. I don't know if you come across War Machine. War Machine's this lunatic who's now in jail for life. So I, 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 he moved out and I moved into his room. It was like a different life. Uh, I, well, I think o- we've had you on the podcast for the wrong reason though. <laughs> <laughs> I was only telling someone today, I was out for an acai bowl in town, you know the frozen yogurt bowls there, it's kind of like yeah. frozen. Yeah. Is that uh, how you pronounce it? Acai, I think, yeah. What do you call it, Akia or something? He's butchering the horror. Have you ever seen these things? No. You know them, they're like the frozen yogurt and they have like granola and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. seeds and all on top. I don't think anyone knows how to pronounce it. I just see it on the board and say, give me that. I said, I, yeah. <laughs> you'll know now. I said to the girl I was with today, I said, the first time I had one of these bowls, I was in San Diego and I was out for a bowl with the vice president of the Hells Angels. I was 18 and I was looking at his jacket and he had this uh, patch on it. You know, they got the leather jackets. Yeah. And the patch said, filthy few. And I was just looking at the fellow. I was like, I went on Google later. I was like, what does filthy few mean? It meant they had killed people for the motorbike gang. I was like, what is going on here? So that was a different world. But um, I met a mentor out there. I was 18, he was 28. And I used to go and sit on the beach with this fella and we just talk about like martial arts and, yeah. and everything else. And he was a fitness trainer. So I was learning a lot from him. And I could just see he was struggling with his, I didn't know at the time, he was struggling with his mental health. He was just a bit flat. And I'd say to him, there's some lunatics in that gym that think they're going to be fighters and don't have a chance. Am I one of those? And he goes, no, you're going to be great. And he, was, he always believed in me. But he ended up taking his own life. He'd been really struggling with his mental health. I, I didn't realize... And I think at 18, when he took his life, it was a wake-up call to me that I was going through this course I didn't want to be doing, and I wanted to be like him, Eric. I dedicated my new book to him, actually. And uh, that prompted me to go back and study fitness and go that direction. So it's amazing when you look back on your younger years, the people you meet, yeah, yeah, and how they can just turn you in a completely different direction. And I'm really conscious of that now with younger guys that I meet. Again, I think it's so important. You're trying to give that good impression? like Just trying to, like, just trying to make them see that, like, they're, they're capable of things. Yeah. I think the world's become a scary place for a lot of people. There's a lot of competition. We're looking around us, what's everyone else doing? I need to get ahead. We've really individual, individualistic society. We forgot about community. Everyone's trying to be special. And when you're trying to be special, you forget about everyone around you. 
So we're all out in for ourselves. And I think community gets lost. You can feel very isolated. The real one of them, everybody wants to see you do well, but not better than them. Mm. That's sort of the world we're living in today, isn't it? Like, yeah. Because even like in the wellness community and things like that, a lot of people are really there for themselves, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It's, it's, they're, missing, they're missing the, the, the bigger picture. Yeah. yeah. You're there to bring everybody up, not be the best one. You're there to like... Do you know what they say? A rising tide raises all ships, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, why can you not bring everybody up on the way up? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think I'm conscious of that now. Just in terms of looking back at times I was lost in my life, there was always people there that kind of just steered me in the right direction, and they didn't try to change me. They didn't try to tell me what I was doing was wrong. They just tried to understand me, which was important and I needed that. So again, I'm not telling young lads what they should be doing. I'm just asking them, what would you do if you could do anything? You know, what would you really like to do? What's yeah. working for you? What's not working for you? I'm just making people see that, you know, these things are possible. But uh, yeah, that got me into the fitness space and that was kind of the next chapter. Mm. So move into the next chapter. Like, what was your goal with the fitness? Just like become a personal trainer, open your own gym and be successful yeah. in there? Like, was it? I, t- I moved to Dublin when I was 20, f- I think 23 maybe. And I, again, I was a cult chief from Galway yeah. that had no self-belief. Still, I, you know, I'd done the martial arts and stuff that gave me a little bit of confidence. Yeah, the pair of Asics for the gym and the same <laughs> pair of Asics for going out the coppers that night. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I came up here and I, it was like this, this silly notion in my head that I'm going to go to the big city and I'm going to become successful. And anyone who never believed it, sure, nobody cared. Like, nobody was looking at me the way I thought they were looking at me. But I think nobody believes in me here, but I'm going to show everyone, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. Sure, no one was batting an eyelid, you know, at no one had any interest. But I came to Dublin, I worked in a gym up here for a few months and then I got fired. Um, it was one of these, it was one of the gyms where you stand on the machine and it vibrates and you lose weight. So I'm where. So I got fired from that place for <laughs> being open about my opinions. And then I tried to get a business going up here and just failed miserably. I was out drinking all the time and um, being a young lad and and not having contacts up here. Fitness hadn't really taken off back in 2009 in Ireland. There wasn't any of the social media stuff mm-hmm. or whatever else. I trained all the models up here for free. I contacted all the models and they yeah, said, they <laughs> <laughs> this, do you know what? This was influencer marketing before it was influencer marketing. I messaged all the models. They said, I'll train you for free if we can just get me in the media that I'm the celebrity trainer, if you will. Yeah. Mm. So my friends back in Galway said, this fella never comes home. He's training models. He's living the dream. Yeah. Meanwhile, I was up here depressed, working up in the ILAC Center in Jack and Jones and, and not letting on what was going on, really. I was really struggling with my mental health. And um, eventually I moved home on Christmas Eve and uh, cried for three hours on a bus back to Galway, just feeling like real sense of shame. I've let everyone down. Yeah. I've let my parents down. And that was the start of the yeah, it's Remember, we've touched on this before with Graham Book and Jack Bourne. Like, they got the opportunity as young lads to go to England to play football, but then it didn't work out and they came home. And you're coming home with that like sense of shame. I'm after letting everybody down. Oh, I failed. But you realise, like, Jesus, you're young. Like, it's a stepping stone. Like, use it. Yeah. Yeah, that's like it's a huge thing even just on social media these days. You see a lot of people going over to Dubai and they look like they're living the life and they're out and they're bleeding. Yeah, it looks like they're living the life and then really they're not. Mm. They have to come home at some stage and then they're going to come home and think, oh, I'm at a failing here. And they, but they come home with nothing to show for what they've what yeah. they what they want over there and then you realise you added that pressure onto yourself. Yeah. yeah. That you were over there portraying this like lifestyle and now you come home, you've no money, you've nothing to back you up and you're like, oh, why did I even do that? Like, who are you trying to impress? Yeah, but I think everybody's just trying to keep up with each other. Mm. And not just 
Dubai. It's just an, an example. Mm. But I mean, they're going on these flashy holidays, but they're spending every last fucking bean they have to go. Mm. They come home and fucking feed their kids and pay rent yeah. at some stage. Mm. And it's all just living up to this expectation. Yeah. Yeah. And you get even a couple of years older and you look back and you say, I thought everyone was looking at me wondering what it was. Nobody cared. No. You know? And it, no. I think it's always going to be the same. I always think the advice you'd give yourself 10 years ago is probably similar to what you'd say today. Like I look back on school and like the advice, you know, go for it. Don't be stressed. Don't be worrying. You know, don't be getting caught up in your head. All this kind of, I, I still need the same advice today. So yeah, so how much of my 20s were driven by how I was seen by other people was just daft. Like I came back to Galway then, set up a business in Galway and I was relentless. I just went on this relentless pursuit of success. And I was quote unquote successful. I bought a house and a car and you know had this big business and was making more money than I ever thought I'd make. I was bringing out books, TV, everything I thought I wanted. Mm. 28, I was just as miserable as I was when I was in Dublin uh, after achieving everything. Do you know, because my whole life had become about how I'm seen and what other people think of me. And I will say like, you can look for happiness in all these places, I ran out of places to look because I'd achieved everything I thought I wanted and I was still struggling with anxiety and overwhelm and stress and just completely lost. And I find when things are wrong in your life and you can point to them, you can say, that's why I'm sad. It's one thing. But when things are right in your life yeah. and you're still struggling, you're like, maybe I'm just a broken person or yeah, something, you know? Well, that's, you know like, that's the problem. A lot of people think uh, that all the problems are financial. And that's why, you, like, you see so many, you see so many celebrities coming out and say, like, "Oh, I'm depressed," and this, that, and the other. And then people go, "How can you be depressed? You have a hundred million in the mm -hmm. bank." It's like, really, like, you know, like, that's why a lot of people think, "Oh, if I just won the lotto, like, I'd be happy." Mm -hmm. You would be happy, yeah, for about three months. Yeah. And anything you're still struggling with now, you will struggle with again. Mm -hmm. You won't. You'll get that boost, and you'll get, you'll be out buying cars or whatever you're doing. It's You're not all addressing just the be, problem. Yeah, it's still in there. Do you know what I mean? It's still in your head. I think a big one this week is the Kanye West one. And you the, see he's going through a, a horrible divorce with Kim Kardashian. And I, I don't really like the current celebrities, but it was his daughter's uh, fourth birthday the weekend. And they have no legal agreement in the divorce yet, like with custody of the kids. But he bought the house across the road from where they live. Wow. And he came out and he said, well, what's the point in being rich if I can't do this to benefit me to see me kids? Wow. And I was like, you know what, he's right. He's addressing the fact that he has all this money and he's not just sitting back and not doing anything. He wants to see his kids as much as possible. And then he put up a video that they wouldn't send him the address at a kid's party. It's his daughter's fourth birthday party and he didn't know where it was. He had to get somebody to... Somebody sent him the address. Aye. Supposedly, it was supposedly Travis Scott who sent him the address. He shouldn't have sent them the address and he shows up at the party. But to him, he was like, that was my daughter's fourth birthday party. She's going to remember me not being there. Yeah. And I was thinking like, this fella has everything he's ever wanted. There's nothing that man can ever get or mm -hmm. can't get. Like, he snap his finger, he can have anything. But all he wants is just to spend that moment with his daughter. And that's been, like, that's in the balance. And you can see what it means to him. Yeah. Like, money doesn't buy that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that's where the quote, money doesn't buy happiness comes from. Mm. You know what I mean? Like he put up a video explaining he's probably driving a car that's worth hundreds of thousands. Well, all he wanted was to spend time with his daughter. Yeah, I think money only puts magnifying glasses on things sometimes. Like I remember when I was successful, uh, all the things I was insecure about before, it was like a magnifying glass was on them and they felt a lot because people were looking at me and saying, oh, he's successful. And I'm like, oh, I hope they don't see what it's like in my head because I'm a lunatic in my head. Um, but yeah. Why do you do... I know you said you were like bullied as a child and you felt lonely and things like that. And is that the reason why you were so bad, even when you were saying, I'm successful, but I'm still struggling? Uh, I think at that, you know, I went to a, 
one of the ists. I don't talk about the ists. I wasn't. I don't know. It was a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a psych- one of the ists when I was twenty eight. <laughs> And I sat with her and I says, I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. I have everything I should want. I had, I went to the doctors, I got my blood work done because I was like, there must be something wrong because I'm just freaked out. I can't sleep. I'm, um, and I have nothing I can point to. And she explained it to me and it, it changed my life. I think the way that she explained it to me, she said, we've got, we've got a fire alarm in our house to keep us safe when there's actual danger. So fire alarm goes off, you recognize there's a threat, you run away. She said, if the fire alarm goes every time you use the toaster, it's a pain in the ass. You probably pull it off the wall, pull out the batteries. And so she said, we have something in our internal reality, the fight or flight response that's there to keep us safe. So if a car pulls out in front of me, I get this surge of energy. I jump out of the way of the car. She said, if that's going every time you have a little stress in your life, then you have an issue. And that's what was happening for me. I was in anxiety, anxiety being always predicting things are going to go wrong. There's a threat in front of me at all times. And so I just had to learn how to regulate myself, how to come back to feeling a sense of calm. Because I was always on, always switched on. I was terrified of, first I was uh, depressed because I had nothing. And then I built something. I was terrified of losing it. It'd be like you building this podcast and then starting to get scared. What if the podcast goes away? Who will I be without the podcast? I started coming from a place of fear. Wasn't enjoying things anymore. Was trying to hold on desperately to everything that I had. My whole life was tension. I don't want to lose what I've created. And there was no enjoyment in that. So meeting her changed the course of my life. I think I recognized my 20s were all about I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when I get to the next thing. I get to the next thing, I'm take a breath. I might be happy for a day. And then it was next and next and next. Mm. That gets exhausting. So then it became about like, how do I be happy on a daily basis? Still have things I'm trying to work towards, have a bit of a vision, but not be putting my happiness a year down the line, you know? And, and there's a great book called The Five Regrets of the Dying. And the lady's a nurse that spent 20 years at the bedsides of people that were coming to their last days. And she wrote this book about the regrets they were having. And it was always the same regrets, kind of like Kanye there. It was, you know, I wish I'd made more time for the people I love. But the number one was, I wish I'd lived a life true to myself and not the life that others expected of me. Mm-hmm. And then there was, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Um, and of course, we're all going to reach that point at some stage. And I don't want to look back with those regrets, you know, so, yeah. It's very relatable, all that as well. We spoke about that before as well, about like it's hard to sort it. It's I find it hard to sort to sit down and take something in mm. as well. I'm a real one of them, like you. Doesn't matter what it is, even when we signed the deal, it's like right, what's the next thing? Mm. Are you doing an episode? Right, that was great. Right, what's next? Mm. And you find it hard to sit down and sort to go right. What I'm doing here is good, mm. which is I never do that ever really. Mm. You know, and what? Why do we even do that? Something I say to people, Terence, is um, if you imagine. Your little one is six. Yeah. If she comes home from school every day and she says, I did this and I did this and I did this and I did this. And you were to look at her and say, well, what's next? What are you going to do tomorrow? And you did that repeatedly for a couple of days. Her self-esteem would be shot. Yeah. Mm. And then as adults, we see ourselves as adults. I'm 34. I see myself as a 34-year-old. There's also a younger version of me there that gets scared. Some, like These parts of us still live inside of us. The inner child, we'll call it, right? Mm. Um, there's a part of me that needs to that, like I'll get to the end of the day, I'll say to the podcast with the boys and I did this and I did this and I did this today, what's next? And I'm always having that expectation of myself. I never think to nurture that part of myself that's a little bit scared. I need to, so every evening I sit down and I say, what did I do well today? And I try to write down a couple of things. It sounds a little bit airy-fairy, but it's really useful for me to press pause. Your confidence, we're all trying to find more confidence and we think that it's in the future somewhere, but you can never be confident in the future because we're uncertain about the future. And if you think about confidence, confidence is certainty and certainty lives in the past. So I'll say, I did this well today and this and this, like you would a child, you did this and this and this well. And the child, I did, I did, I did really well. 
then they want to do more as opposed to this kind of constant barraging ourselves, you know? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does because that's something that we never do. We always like, we always say like, we'll wrap up here, we'll take a picture, we'll put it on Instagram and then we'll be like, right, who's next week? Yeah. And we never look at like what we've achieved so far Yeah. and reflect and enjoy it. You know, like that. And I think we've started to come around to that the last few weeks. Mm. Like, Jesus, we really have done something. Mm. And it, I think it'd be a great episode for you or just an exercise for you to give yourselves an hour and take a step back and say, how have we grown? And, you know, what have we learned? And what's been the most enjoyable part of the experience? The and really collect. The problem with that is, it's short, it's nearly like self press. Yeah. Like, I you don't want to get way into right. that. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. but. Like having you are right as well, like but in China, like you never take a minute, you know what I mean? The only time I ever realised that something good is going on is when we got a message off someone. Yeah, someone else tells you something mm. good. But not even how good we are, but whatever. It's what if someone messages us and says, like this that episode really helped me and now I'm doing this with my life and things like that. Then I sort of sit there and take a few minutes and go fuck me man like we're at the influence of someone to go ahead and get that help or yeah. do this thing or make that step that's the only time but other than that it's like mm. go 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 isn't mm. it we don't it, live in the moment enough with this it's an important i think it's an important part, part of it you know and and i and i look back at lots of things i can be proud now 10 years on of things i did when i was 24 mm. at the time i didn't have time to be proud of those things i just kept going and i, I really burnt myself out so you know, if I could do it all again, I probably would have just slowed down a little bit and yeah. be just think about what I was trying. What, what's next? I was doing things because I was scared. Not like if I got offered, if I got offered anything, I'd say yes to it because I was afraid another trainer was going to take it. Yeah, I wasn't thinking, do I actually want to do this? Does this add to my life? Does this add to my business? It was just pressure. Yeah, I always say you can come from a place of wounding or worth, and wounding is this idea that I'm not good enough, I'm flawed in some way, but if I do this thing, I'll be better. Whereas worth is the idea that. I'm a perfectly perf imperfect person. Mm. Do I want to do this or not? Um, I find that useful. Do you know what, Pat? This is really weird, right? And I know we had a conversation outside before this and we're talking about coincidences and eventually if you talk about them enough, you'll see that they line up a lot. I had a phone call today with a woman and she's a recruiter and uh, we were talking about the last couple of years people are starting to see that worth when it comes to jobs and... I try and say that to people a lot, but maybe I'm coming from a position where I can afford it a bit more because I've had that experience. But people know that work when it comes to applying for jobs. You can apply and you can expect more in the company. You, you don't have to put up with someone coming in and shouting in your face. That's like years ago, people probably say, look, you have a job, be happy with it. It doesn't matter if your boss is a brick. Mm. But now you don't need that. You don't have to put up with a company that doesn't have benefits that suit you or a company that doesn't have needs that suit you or... I don't know, some people might not want to work in an office anymore and they might want to work remotely. Sure. You can say that. You yeah. can say that now. Like, no, you won't. Whereas some people, like, look, there's a job offer there. Just fucking take it and go. Mm -hmm. We're like, people know that won't now. And this is the exact conversation we had. And that, that was a weird one now. It's not maybe come around less. Because <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about coincidences. Mm. And the coincidence, well, this isn't a coincidence. Remember I told you just went to a medium? Yeah. Yeah. So, at all, Pat. Uh, when I went to the medium, the medium said that Pat Devley, who I hadn't heard of at this point, has made something out there for me and that I have to find it. And when I find it and listen to it, I'll know that was made for me. So then, 
me and Calvin have been talking about getting part on the podcast and what we talk about and things like that. Mm. It was actually, if you just want to go back and listen to this specific moment, it was episode 18 with Tom O'Carty. And we're only talking about this one episode, mm. how great of an episode it actually is. Yeah, it, we had some crack in that one. Great band on that one, yeah. But then when me and Calvin had a chat then a couple of months ago, they messaged you. And then when I sent you the message, you replied like instantly, been like, oh my God, this is mad. I was just about to message you. There's a weird energy and all. Well, he's that Shane. I was like, God, oh, there's something going on. <laughs> and then, but then, how did we get into that? Why was I getting into that? But maybe that's the, the message, first. maybe that's the message you were meant to hear is to enjoy this as much as you can because mm. you're doing amazingly. I mean, don't let it pass you by. I know you probably don't need to be told that, but... Yeah, it's very hard though, isn't it? Because like, I go back to that thing. You don't want to be carping the self praise and blowing smoke up your own hole because you just look like you take down that. But yeah, even like someone, well, a lot of people have said to me when they listened to last week's episode, like Art Lohanlon, come on, to me, one of the biggest icons in Irish yeah. in Irish history. Like you know what I mean? You look at Irish telly, he's there, and people are like, "Wasn't it great that he come on and he opened with praise for you?" And I was like, "Do you know what? That is actually a weird one," because like. There's a man who didn't have to do it. And same as yourself, Pat. Like, people don't have to come on and do that, but they, but they are. So it's coming from somewhere. Yeah. So maybe we are doing something that's good. Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe it, is it us just being too critical of ourselves? Well, it, like I was saying at the start, you, learning to be able to hold two things at once, like uh, being able to hold two perspectives at once. The world is very black and white and people are very, there's a lot of judgment in the world. People think they're a success or they're a failure. They're mm -hmm. good or they're bad. They're right or they're wrong. So you might, might think that you're being cocky if you believe in yourselves too much and you acknowledge yourselves too much or you're being humble, but there's a middle ground. You can hold both. Yeah. You know, you can acknowledge the great work that you're doing, but also have the hunger and the humility to say we can get a lot better. I think learning to hold two things is a really important thing for us all. Yeah. Right. Uh, while you were talking about in your 20s and all, you said that you became successful then. You had the house, the car, the job. How does that come about for you? So how did, how did you get to a point where you were financially secure to do all them things? So uh, I haven't told the stories in a long time. When I moved back to Galway, I cried for three hours on that bus home on Christmas Eve. And my mum's birthday was Christmas Day. And I just felt like the biggest failure, the sense of shame that I had. Because my parents had always like, looked after me. They'd put me through college. They'd kept me in school. I wanted to drop out of school at 15, 16. I was up with Foss trying to you know, get, a, get a job and stuff. They had done a lot for me to get me to the point that I would you know, be out in the world and having to fail and move back in at 24. I mean, I look back now, I'm like, geez, you were 24. You were yeah. very hard on yourself. But at the time, there was a night down here. I was living in Dublin and I walked down to the docks at three in the morning. I stared into the water. I thought, I'm done. You know, there's, I, I, I'm, I'm of no use to anyone. I'm a burden. And um, yeah, the, 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 the coming home to Galway, I spent five months just depressed. And I meet my parents, friends, and they'd say, oh, you, I thought you were in Dublin. And yeah. Having to every day just retelling this yeah. story. Yeah, I'm just, but uh, I, I contacted a guy in the UK. This is again, the people that come into your life and give you a bit of, bit of guidance. And I saw he was a successful trainer and I said, what are you doing differently? He's teaching outdoor. What are you doing that I'm not doing? And he, he goes, I'll ring you. And uh, him being in Wales and me having no money. I said, this guy's rich. He's ringing from all the way over in Wales, you know? <laughs> yeah. And he rang me and he didn't tell me anything I didn't know, just give me this energy that I didn't have at the time. He goes, go out there and blow them away and whatever else. So I got 5,000 flyers printed up and I dropped them everywhere in Galway. I was working in a pizza shop at the time. So I'd work in the pizza shop, go and drop the flyers everywhere. And I started teaching classes down on the beach. So I had five people the first morning. And again, I was in the lowest point in my own life in terms of my mental uh, health. 
But I said, if I can make these clients believe in themselves for the hour, it'll get me out of my own head. It was something my dad taught me and it's been, it stood to me as when I was at my lowest points, my dad always said to me, half of your problem is you're obsessed with your own problems and your own struggles and your own challenges and you're living in here. He says, there's a lot of life happening out here, but you're stuck there. He said, if you go, go and help people in some capacity, my mentality was I can't help anyone. I can't help myself. But it did get me out of my own way. So I had those first five clients and I just showed up every day and I just gave them everything for the, for the hour. And within three months, there was 100 people down on the beach. I used to always tell this story about the guards who came down one morning and they said, are you Pat Dibley? And I said, yeah. And they said, what time is the class over? And I said, half 10. And they said, don't go anywhere. We'll be back. And the clients were all gossiping and looking at each other, wondering what I've done. And they came back at half 10 and they said, lock your bike, you're going to have to come with us. So I turn around to lock the bike and they just start cracking up. They said, there's a fat bastard here in the back that wants to get in shape. Will you look after him? And so the guards started training with me and within a year I opened a gym and um, a lot of my generation had gone to Australia because uh, the recession was so bad, I suppose. So people in Australia were seeing all this happening back in Galway. They were saying, can I get involved? So I started doing online fitness courses and then in five years, 20,000 people went through the online courses. That was kind of the trajectory. It was a lot in a couple of years and I suppose it came in just before Rob Lipsit and those kind of guys that were doing the fitness stuff online. And uh, I was just right time, right place, right Don't medium. The hustle, mm. isn't it? That's, that's I was, I, I was yeah. relentless. Um, I mean, I was, I was obsessed to the point that I missed a lot. You know, I missed a lot in my life. My, my friends that I grew up with were getting closer in those years, but I was, I was so singular focused. I had friends call me out at times and say, we miss you. Or even get thick with me and say, you know, you're not coming out to this. Or, you're obsessed yeah. with your own yeah. yourself and your own business, and you don't care about us anymore. And they were justified in doing it. They were good friends to do it, you know. Mm. Uh, but I had to, yeah, get out of my. Yeah, I think they look missed out. Uh, I think you have to make decisions in life. Mm. Uh, you'll always miss out on something, you know. If you choose to travel the world, you'll miss out on the connections that could be happening at home. If you choose to not travel the world, you miss out on travel. You know, there's two sides to every coin. There's an up and a down with everything. Um, the up of you putting yourselves out there is you can help people and you can build a career for yourselves and something you enjoy. The downside is you'll get a lot of ridicule or criticism mm, or whatever it might exposed. be. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if you weren't to do it, the downside will be you'd live with regret because you didn't do it. So there's always mm. two sides to a coin and things important to have perspective. Uh, if I could go back and be more balanced, I would have been more balanced. But sometimes you need to go to an extreme, I think, to learn what balance is. Again, addiction, maybe I, I need to go and do it, to overdo it to recognize it doesn't suit me and then come back to the middle. So... Um, there's different personality types, isn't there? I think some people are all or nothing. Other people are a bit more balanced. I'm definitely all or nothing. So, nothing <laughs> so I'm yeah. learning. Um, I don't believe in that balance. <laughs> I'm like, if you want to, you better fucking put all your eggs in that basket yeah. and run with it. You're in for a penny, you're in for a pound, isn't it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And that goes for everything. Mm. Yeah, then I came out of the fitness. I started doing, I, I, I kind of knew overnight I don't like this anymore. And I had a young guy working for me at the time. He was 22, I think. He was on work experience. I turned up at work one day. I'd be fairly rash. I'd just make decisions. I was like, do you want the gym? I don't want to do this anymore. And he's like, I'll think about it. <laughs> so, so he took the gym. I, I walked away from it and I started doing talks and I was terrified of public speaking. So same kind of thing. I set out and did a hundred talks for free in a year just to get experience. And I was talking in schools, colleges. I turned up at some old lady's shed in Roscommon. I was like, yeah. where's the talk? She's like, it's here and her and her friends on some deck chairs in the <laughs> shed. So uh, yeah, yeah, that was... And what, trendy. so you're going in doing these talks. What's your first talk like? Uh, it was a disaster. Uh, I was saying my first talk, I, I, I was terrified. It was 10 minutes. I had 10 slides, 10 minutes. And I said one minute per slide if I got nervous. And then my second talk was 20 minutes. My third talk was 40 minutes. My fifth talk was 60. So I did 20 slides, 30 slides. My first one hour talk was 60 minutes, 60 slides. 
and there was 300 people there in Galway at a, it was a student thing. And I click start in the slideshow. Slideshow doesn't work. And I just like froze and panicked on stage. I somehow did a 60 minute talk in 10 minutes. And I looked up at the audience and said, is anyone any questions? And there was just silence in the room. And it was like my heart rate was... Some young lad put up his hand. He was only about 10. He says, can you tell us about the time Weight Watchers tried to sue you? <laughs> and I was just like... <laughs> and then it was Q&A for two hours. But yeah. Yeah, that must have been nerve-wracking going from that to going in the own talks from 300 people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's a huge jump. Yeah, it's a weird. I, I don't know how I came to be doing what I'm doing. Like the last couple of years, there's been hundreds of talks. And I don't, I don't, again, I don't think it was really a thing in Ireland, you know, and I don't like the term motivational speaking yeah. or self-help. All that stuff. I hate all the terms. It's yeah, hard. I like, hate that as well to me. <laughs> it's very, you literally only said that to me I, the other week. Yeah, I can't, I can't get into it. Like self-help, it's someone's, you can do it. Like I fucking know. Tell me how I do it. Yeah. To, me, <laughs> to me, I'm like that. It has to be written down. I follow a formula, you know, like that's, just how I said, I, I tried to describe it to you, I couldn't really, but like to me, how I live my life is in a process. So I go from step one to step two to step three. I don't think them books lay it out like that for you. It's just like you can't, they give people belief who haven't got belief. Yeah. You know, and you know, don't get me wrong, it works for some people. To me, personally, it doesn't work for me. I don't get it. You know, when someone's on stage just telling you, you can do this, you are the best, you're going to do it. Like, right, I get it sometimes, it can pick you up when you're down. Like, to me, if I was fucking... To me, the best example I can give it uh, was when we done the marathon, Terence. I was done. I hit the wall. And uh, shout out to James Wardy. He was running beside me. He's like, yeah, there. You're in the 1%. And I was like, right, that's going to get me across the line. That'll get me. I'll fall across that finish line. It'll get me there. Mm. But if I'm starting a project and I'm listening to a self-help book, if I'm trying to start a business, unless that's like literally telling me how to go and register my business, yeah, that's no help to me. Yeah, You know? Yeah, so yeah. That's why I don't get them motivational talks. But I think what you do different, Pat, is you give people techniques of how they cope with not getting overwhelmed, listening to yourself. And we, we were talking about this before, being self-aware of when there's something wrong in your head or your body, listen to it and how to tune in on it and then how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think your talks, that's, what they, that's where you thrive and that's, that's where people... That's why it's walking. Yeah, that's why people come, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Radiate towards you. Mm-hmm. I, I I try to put it to people that it's mental and emotional fitness is what I'm trying to teach that those younger years for me were very reactive wait until there's a panic attack and, and then, then sit some, down yeah, yeah crisis meditator like trying to meditate in the midst of a panic attack and I repeated that cycle so many times I'd get through a really stressful period and then I'd say I'm okay now and then six months later I'd be back in the same position yeah. none the wiser because yeah. so it became it got to a point where it was like right, I need to proactively go after this and do little things daily to again look after the fire alarm if yeah. you will and so you were fire fighting instead of fire proofing yeah 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 I like that yeah yeah mm. yeah I'll let and you use that <laughs> <laughs> you need to write that down yeah, um, yeah and uh, that's yeah that's what I'm trying to do mental and emotional wellness mental and emotional make it as normal as going to the gym yeah um, I it think neither that's just going to the gym as well. Like, mm. like them type of things. Like I've, I haven't read your whole book that you sent me out. Thanks for sending me out as well. Go and check it out, fit mine. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read the whole thing. I, I, I think I'm about halfway through now at the moment. Thank you. But it's unbelievable. Look, like, it's brilliant. Even I sent some. some yeah, you sent you sent me segments. No, I didn't. Okay, but, but look, we won't talk <laughs> about that. Pat. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Okay, we know where we know what the favourite is. No, I said that bollocks didn't post it. No, never. No. <laughs> <laughs> Parents try me one day. He goes, oh yeah, Pat's had to send me out his book. I was like, yeah, yeah, Pat has yeah, yeah. Ah, me, Pat. I'll yeah. send you. I'll get you one tomorrow. Yeah, I'll the, yeah. Just sign your one. I'll sign my one and send it up there. Yeah. <laughs> but I was sending you a paragraph yeah. and stuff from it, and even 
Because when I say Calvin, I'm like, he's going to try and pick this apart. Yeah. <laughs> no, not everything, not everything. But uh, when I sent it here, straight away, you sent me a voice message. And I looked, all that makes so much sense. Yeah, you sent me the one about the Buddha. And I didn't even need the context overall. Yeah. It was like the one of them was made of clay, one of them was made of gold. Mm. No, the, the one that was made of gold had the clay on it. Because there was a war yeah. in 1957. In there you go. <laughs> Jeez, on you know the ball. Well, go on. Go into, do you want to use the... Will I tell you that one? Go on. Go on. Fill us in. Tell us. You wrote the book. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there was a clay Buddha outside of a monastery in Thailand. And every day the monks would go outside and they'd pray at this clay Buddha. And it was just kind of what they did. And then one day... A monk went out and he kneeled down at the Buddha and a crack came off the clay Buddha and he was kind of terrified. He says, I'm going to get in trouble here. I'm after breaking the clay Buddha. And one of the older monks came out that night and he saw a bit of gold shining out through the clay. So he got a hammer and a chisel. He hammers away, gets rid of all the clay, pours it back to its original state, which was gold. And it turned out that years before, they wanted to hide the golden Buddha because they were about to get invaded by a different country. So they covered the gold Buddha in clay just to keep it safe, keep it protected. And the context of it is, when you look at a baby running around the place, baby comes into the world, 360 degree personality. They laugh in one minute, hysterically, then they cry and they fully cry. They're not holding it in. Everything is expressed. They run around naked. They've got a pot belly. They eat with their hands. They're shameless in a, in a good way, you know. Mm. And then they start to learn how they need to be in the world to be accepted and loved. So their parents put restrictions on them to be socialized. We have to be socialized, right? We don't want to be running around Grafton Street naked, eating our, eating our chicken rolls. Um, and so we learn, who do I need to be to be loved in the world? And that happens through praise or rejection. When my parents say, oh, really good to see you playing soccer. You're a good boy for playing soccer. I, I decide to be a good boy. I have to play soccer. We build all these rules. So the first set of rules comes from our home life. And then the next set of rules comes from school. And by the time we're 18, the world has kind of shown us who we need to be to be loved. So we've gone from this golden Buddha that's perfect to all the clay layers. And I think the work then is peeling back on these layers. And getting back to the golden Buddha. Mm. Getting back to the golden Buddha and the pure potential and bringing back, your play, bringing back your playfulness and your spontaneity. And, you know, I work in the corporate environment a lot with corporate clients up here. You can imagine working in the corporate world for a long time. You've really got to hide a lot of who you truly are. Yeah. You've got to hide your fun and your playfulness and all that because you've got to be serious. Mm. and your life starts to lose a bit of its soul. So um, we've all got defense mechanisms, way that we cope in the world, ways that we keep ourselves safe. Some of us are the funny guy all the time because that's how we learn to keep ourselves safe. Some of us are the tough guy all the time because that's how we learn to keep ourselves safe. I, when I say I was bullied as a kid, when something traumatic happens in your life, whatever it is, particularly when you're young, your mind is very clever. So your mind comes up with defense strategies. Let's not let this happen again. So you feel overwhelmed in your body, being bullied by a load of people how can i ensure this doesn't happen again be the funny guy be the tough guy be a loner don't connect with people and then you wake up 30 years later and you're still playing out that same pattern that you developed and the pattern helped you so you don't beat yourself up about it you don't say oh i'm such an idiot i keep doing this thing you say at some point in my life it was really beneficial for me to keep people at arm's length because that kept me safe in a dangerous environment but now i'm in a safe environment so i need to let go of that so that's chipping away at the clay that was a great metaphor so when you sent me the, the snippet, I replied to you in a voice message instantly, but while I was replying to you, you were sending a voice message to say where that came from. But yeah. I was already to say, that makes so, so much sense because you're born, you have this innocence. You don't, you're not aware of the world. You don't give a bollocks. Everyone runs a You're yeah, singing, dancing, screaming, causing more. As you grow older then, you see people get more insecure. Shyness becomes evident then. Yeah. And the restrictions are put in place. So I got what you meant. And then Terrence followed up with, 
the story about the monks in Thailand. Yeah. And I was like, I get it. it like yeah, I what see, you said was, I didn't even need that. Yeah, I didn't need the background to understand what you meant. Sure. But like, deep down, you are who you are. Yeah. You know, you don't need this social constraint to put on you. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's that's all it is, isn't it? It's outside factors putting you down. Yeah, yeah, and so back to the, yeah, and back to the self help and like the the motivational speaking and all that kind of said said of things. That's very much about let's move towards progress and the light and the good things and the positivity and let's run away from all the the darker stuff. The golden Buddha is about embracing everything and just let everything. You need to go into everything. You need to. If I can't feel my grief or my anger or my different my difficult emotions, it's like being a fair weather friend where when my friend is. In good form, I'm with them, but anytime they're sad, I run away. We do that to ourselves sometimes. Like my 20s, anytime I felt anxiety, I would run to alcohol. That was my way of, I don't like myself when I feel anxious, so I'm going to cope with this in a way. And it served me to some degree. Mm. And, you know, a lot of guys that I talk to that come out of addiction, they'll say it was harder for me when I stopped drinking. The drinking made things easy because the drinking was masking a lot of my pain. Well, and now everything. I feel everything, which is... And there's a, there's a good expression that says it's not about feeling good, it's about getting good at feeling. Mm. So you're not going to feel good all the time, but can I be with myself when the difficult yeah. stuff comes didn't, up? Didn't Brian Penny say that it was yeah. about when he was coming off drugs that methadone made you numb mm. and that's not what he needed. Yeah. He needed to feel emotion again. Yeah. And that's what he criticised that for. Yeah. And I just thought, geez, I've never, I never seen that way. Yeah, because it's, it's nearly easier for an addict to just use, mm. whether they know that they're using it because of trauma yeah. or not. It's easier for them because if they're not using or if they weren't addicted, they'd have to fail. And that's, that's why I think it's so hard for people in recovery mm. because when, when they're in recovery or they're passing through, then they realise like grief, like you say, someone dies or something happens. You have to sit with that. You can't just go and bang up or you can't just go and drink and use drugs and be like, right, not that you forget about it, but it sort of helps, puts yeah. it back a little bit while you're out running amok at a party, doing whatever you're doing. Yeah. It's the same with the younger generation now, even people are age, their friends. You see people, they love a party, they love wherever they're doing. And they they find it hard to get off this stuff because they're running from something. So like they need to sit down and think, if it was a Saturday night and I'm not somewhere up to wherever, what am I feeling? Yeah. But they need to think, why am I feeling that? And that's your problem. Yeah. Your problem isn't oh, I'm, I'm not somewhere sniffed down my head. Your problem is I'm sniffed down my head because I'm insecure about this or I find it hard to do that. That's what you need to address. That's where it is. Like, That's like, where the problem lies. Think growing up or told drugs are bad, drugs are bad, drugs are bad. If I do drugs, I'll die. You know, that type of thing when you're growing up, you're naive. Like you don't, you think, oh, if I, it'd be more like I do or I'll die. Then people try it for the first time and they don't die and they go, oh, that was all right. Like that was a bit of crack and they wake up and... The next weekend comes along, you're out with the boys and you're like, fuck it, I didn't die. So I'll, I'll do it again, you do it again. But now I you, feel good. Now I feel good. Yeah. You're no longer insecure. You're no longer, yeah. you're now this new person. Yeah. Then a couple of weeks are going down the line. Now you're buying it for yourself. You start off, you only get you only get a little point eight of it or a gram of it. And you're like, it's only that show. I'm only doing it because I only like the party. It's only a party. Mm. And then before you know it, you're getting more and more. Mm. Not more and more during the weeks. But more and more on the weekends to get your boy. So now that one gram that you use the boy becomes three grams to get you through the night because you're using more mm. while you're drinking. But you think to yourself, I'm not an addict because I don't do it Monday to Thursday. Mm. I'm only doing a Friday and Saturday. That doesn't make me an addict. Mm. And that's where that's where 
I see the problem happening so many times with a lot of my friends and things growing up. It's like they were so afraid to do it. And even now, we know people who've started doing coke at the age of 25 and 26. Yeah. What the fuck, man? Like, and then they, they never did it because of that. They were afraid of it. Mm. And, now, and now they do it. And it's like. But then they're seeing the, the dark side of it is it helps you mask something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you get into this state where everything is masked, so all your problems are in the back seat and you're in the front seat with all the good stuff, you're like, Jesus, this, I like this. Mm. You're going to stay in that, you're going to stay in the driver's seat. Mm. So you're going to sniff more. Yeah, definitely. So you need to, start, you need to look over your shoulder because what's in the back seat is the problem and that's what you need to talk to. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's amazing. When people go to recovery, they get to sit in circles and hear each other's stories and there's great healing in that. People don't have the sense of isolation. You know, I'm, I'm not crazy, I'm not... And the shame. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. not the only one who's going through this. Because you, when you share a part of yourself and people don't run away or don't slag you or whatever it might be. And I wonder if we had those circles before there was we the need to go to recovery, point. what would exactly. happen? Yeah. Um, th- that's a lot of the work I do now is men's circles. We sit in a circle and everyone will just share what's going on for them. My wife just had a miscarriage and I'm trying to support her, but I'm really grieving and I don't know how to hold that. And nobody tries to fix the man. Nobody tries to make things right. Nobody tries, but everyone's carrying some pain. And sometimes the pain that you carry is a lot to hold on your own. And so it's can the group kind of support. There was a nice analogy once we were at an event, a men's group, and we were holding a stick and everyone kind of had their hand on the stick. And they said, you can let go, but someone needs to be holding it the whole time. And it was this idea that you don't always need to be strong. There's always going to be someone around you that's going to be strong for you and then you'll be strong for them. And again, I think it speaks to this community aspect that's getting lost mm. um, because I need to be special. I need to be seen. I need to be, you know, ahead of the, the pack. You um, touched on community as well and how we're losing it. How would you think we get back to it? Oh, it's difficult. I mean, I see you probably, uh, Patty, you probably see Paddy Douglas uh, and the guys over there doing Moonstock. Um, yeah. I've seen that. That's, seen. That, that, like, that stuff looks great. Um I could be anything. I think it's finding finding your tribe and that's different for everyone. Again, when I look back, when I had the gym, it wasn't about fitness. It was about people having a space they could go where they were meeting people of every different background and age that, again, it's finding places where you can go and get rid of the clay and, yeah. and just show up in your gold. Um, and it's going to be different things for different people. Um, but I'd love to see a couple of years from now, maybe this is something, again, if I want to see it, I probably need to create it myself and not be waiting for someone else to do it, is circles all around the country where you can just show up and you can sit in a circle for two hours like we're doing here and just have the chats and this is what's going on for me and this is they have men's sheds for older guys that that have retired and stuff like that but it's spaces where um i can show up i can be myself without my masks and um you're not ashamed to sit down and just open up and spill the beans about everything going on yeah there can be there can be a tendency i think for you know i know when i share my struggles with friends that i grew up with their instant responses to try and fix things for me. And that doesn't feel very good when you're struggling. Someone says, you should do this, you should do this. And you're like, Jesus, I just feel overwhelmed. I don't, I just need someone to listen for a few minutes. So I think it's creating the space for someone to express how they're feeling without trying to fix them. That can almost make someone feel worse. You know, if I was to say, you know, I'm struggling, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of going back to addictive tendencies. and someone makes feel like they already had the solution to the problem. I think I just do this. Oh, oh Jesus, would I not think of that? I'm, I, think, I must be a bigger fucking idiot. Than. Yeah, and I think they feel like there's this part of myself that I'm really afraid to share, uh, but I'm going to share it because I trust this person. Then I share it, and then I feel like, oh, this person doesn't appreciate me as I am. They're trying yeah, to make me another person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, um, I think it's an important one for us all because sometimes we're looking for how can I have that safe space for myself, but it's also good to think how can I create that safe space for other people. 
when someone comes to me and they're struggling, they're, we all have that tendency, or a lot of us have that tendency to try and fix them because mm -hmm. we think we're helping by fixing. I think the way we fix is we create that shame-free environment where we can ask questions and help them self-inquire, understand like what's going on for them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the community piece is big. I don't, I'm not quite sure what the answer is, but... Yeah. Small steps anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then you went, so you went from the gym, so you went from like physical fitness to kind of mental fitness. Yeah, yeah. How did that come about? Um, it, was, it was somewhat natural transition in that, like I was doing talks about training and nutrition, then I started talking about goal setting and then I started talking about the way that we talk to ourselves and sleep and stress. And then I, I've just kind of trusted the process and just kind of leaned into whatever's kind of come up for me. Um, and it's been the things I've needed myself at times in my life. So I studied cognitive behavioral therapy, which is how our thoughts impact how we feel. Studied mindfulness and meditation, studied yoga. I've done all these different trainings and I just take little pieces that make sense to me and I bring them back. And I think I have two strengths. One is bringing people together in a safe space and the other is taking ideas that other people make sound really complicated and putting it across in a way that's like, oh, that's 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 manageable, that's easy. Um, so I see myself as the guy that goes and reads the books or goes on the courses or studies the bits, tries it himself and then brings it back in an easy to digest format. Yeah, um, kind of regurgitate in an easier format. Kind yeah, of. I think yeah. so. Sometimes I'm at a course and it's like, I'm completely lost. I'm like, this is really, I have no idea what's going on. And someone will talk about a psychological principle for an hour and I'll say, are, are you trying to say that our nervous system and an effect on how we feel. And they'd be like, yeah. I'd be like, why the fuck do you speak for an hour about that? Yeah, you just, just say, say it say easy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, I, like me and Terrence, people have reached out to us about, we'll talk about the public speaking kind of thing coming in doing yeah. chats. And I, I always like, I was like, what the fuck are we going to talk about? Like, do you know what I mean? But one thing, and I've listened to you, I was listening to you on the way in here. One thing I kind of got, and it's probably an example of what you said there is, you know, the mental... So it's just as important as the physical. And how I break it, break it down is like, we're all just machines, you know what I mean? Well, machines, just big flesh machines, basically. But you need to have your software in check to have your hardware in check. Mm -hmm. And you need to have your hardware in check to make sure your software is running correctly, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So like, if you're not good mentally, you're not going to be good physically. You know, that's really going to impact. If you're feeling shit, you're going to sit around all day. You're not going to do anything. And that's going to have a physical effect on you. And you can actually, that can cause you to become ill as well you know i don't know the exact study behind it but there is there is science out there to say like if you have bad thoughts and bad a bad thought process you can actually lead you to a, a decline in your health yeah um and then as well on the physical side if you're eating shit you're gonna feel shit you know that one mm -hmm. you know like yeah eat shit feel shit so you look after your hardware it looks after your software you look after the software look after your hardware so there's a balance there there is like a you know, I got that. I'm going to need to work on that if I'm going to use that in an example. Yeah, what yeah, physically, yeah. Well, well, talking about public speaking. But that's what I'm saying. And I think you've, you've met that balance, you know what I mean? It's all well and good going in and smashing the league way session. But if you're not going home, then reflecting on what went on during the day, it's nearly to no, to no effect, you know? Mm. I think the other, I think, I, like, thinking back now, it's funny, sometimes just having conversations, you start to recognize the patterns. But I think when people were getting fit in the gym, they suddenly saw... I set a target here and I did things differently and I put myself in a different environment and I achieved something new. And then they started thinking, how can I do that in other areas? So again, I was a naive kind of 23, 24 year old and people were coming up to me and go, thanks, you gave me the confidence to file for divorce. I've wanted to do that, but I was scared. But the gym taught me that I can do things. Mm. Or, so people started taking the principle, it's very simple principles. I mean, goal setting is set a goal, break it down, get yourself in an environment and take small steps. That's all it is. Mm. But I think no more than you do in the marathon, you're kind of like, that's something I didn't think I could do. Mm. 
I followed a plan, I did it. What else might I be able to do? So it's, it's again the confidence piece of, I think confidence comes from senior progress. So when people get stuck in a loop of feeling like unfulfilled in life or lacking purpose or feeling a bit lost in life, generally they've nothing they can look at in recent times where they can say, oh, I've done that really well. So if you start taking little actions, the confidence builds. I think it's a momentum thing. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good way of putting it, yeah. Lee. Yeah. <laughs> I talk like a lot, sir. <laughs> no, I got it. Little though, it is quality. What, what have you got coming up for us? Workwise, well, yeah, workwise. What have you got? What's your plans now for that? Uh, stop! I need to get better at this because I, I, I just, I'm a bit reactive with my work. When I feel like doing a workshop, I launch a workshop and I yeah. put it out there. I'm tipping away with the podcast. I do a good bit of corporate work. Uh, the men's work. Do you know what I do? Is uh, breath work every Thursday night. I'd love if people listen to the podcast. Um, give it a go. Um, 7.15, free breathwork session on a Thursday night. It's Where did you get that? Uh, link in my bio. Yeah. <laughs> link in the, the show notes. <laughs> we go live Thursday. Our air podcast goes live Thursday at 7. So 7 p.m.? Yeah, so... Uh, Pat Dibley, do Pat Dibley's uh, breathing session first. Yeah, hold <laughs> off on, on us for a few minutes. Um, I'm really big on the breath at the moment. I'm blown away. I, I sent you a recording if you get a chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing what it can do. Yeah, um, I listened to it. I listened yeah. to it last night, yeah. It's... Very soothing voice, Pat. Even <laughs> now I'm sitting there, I'm like, that fella whisper between nothing, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, uh, the breath work and the... I'm trying to come back to that, I suppose. My, my piece is always trying to see, it's very easy to point the finger at the world and see what's wrong with the world. But mm. when you point the finger at what's wrong with the world, there's three pointing back at you. Mm. So I always try to take that responsibility of the things that are upsetting me out there. I have a responsibility for my life to fixing those things. Yeah, be the change I want to see in the world, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, look, it sounds cheesy and everything else, but there's also that thing. You know, as you were kind of talking about earlier, you have a responsibility you don't have to follow it, but there's a lot of guys looking up to you and it's easy to think, oh, someone else is going to talk about these things. You know, we're, we're all right. But there's also a part of us that there's a chance for us to step up. You know, I often have a voice in who am I to do X, Y, or Z. Mm. But then there's another voice that says, well, if you don't do it, no one's going to do it in your way. Yeah. You know? So I think some of the things I've talked about today, the struggle with community, I'd like to do work in the future that kind of improves that situation. Mm. Continuing to give people different solutions to mental health. Um, I think there's more to improve mental health than talk therapy. We can yeah. talk about our problems all day, but things like the breath work and I do trauma release work with people that helps them physically let go of the stuff that they're holding. Mm. So yeah, I'm hard to put in the box, but uh, yeah. Lots. It's all, it's all about healing myself and the, I know healing is kind of a, a loaded word, but that's what it feels like to me is mm-hmm. making peace with myself. There's parts of myself I don't like still. Yeah. Uh, and rather than try to get rid of them, I just want to kind of understand them and um, where they came from. Like I say, I developed these different aspects of myself for reasons in the past. Certain things don't help me anymore and I just want to let go of those parts, you know. Mm. Take the clay off. Become the gold. I'm, try, I'm trying to have a bigger uh, podcast than the talking bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to look at that one. <laughs> what do you know, like? Give up on that one. No, <laughs> yes. yeah. And where can we get your book, Pat? So it's in the post now. But yeah. Where can, where can we buy your book? <laughs> but you know, this is funny. The, 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 the whole book is about the stories we tell ourselves, right? And the impact the stories have on us. Yeah. And I say in the book that there's two things that happen. We we have the external situation. So what happens in the real world? And then we have a story in our head about the situation. So this example, right? You didn't get a book. Terence got a book. That's what happened. It's mm. in, like, that's what a camera would have seen without any feelings. But then you'll attach a story to, I don't know what the story was, but you might say, well, that fucker's getting one and I'm not getting one. He's, and I could have a story that I think he got a book. Yeah, Terence yeah. posted about it, but he didn't post about it. There's all this mind reading going on. So the book is very much about recognizing yeah. that 
a lot of our stress is nothing to do with what's actually happening. Yeah. It's the story we're telling. But anyway, you can get the book in Easton's or you can get your book. Yeah. <laughs> and see you tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it was an absolute pleasure. Yeah. I really enjoyed I've that. I've enjoyed panel. it, lads. Thank you. Ian. Yeah, no, thanks for coming on, Pat. Uh, so we have the book. The book and the podcast, I suppose. The podcast. And the breathwork on the Thursday. And the podcast is just... Patively podcast, yeah. Pod- yeah. And you get it everywhere you get to podcasts. Yeah, all good podcasts. Not as nice a studio as you boys. I record mine in my kitchen, but... But no, again, to acknowledge you on the work that you're doing. Uh, I, yeah, it, you should be proud. And All good podcasts aren't in the kitchen, though, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, right. mate. No, thanks for coming on. Uh, we happy with this? Wrap it up? Boxed off. Yeah. Right, episode 57. Take us out, Kino. Boom. Subscribe to this podcast for free on the Go Loud app. The Hypnocker.